So I was having a conversation with my friend Joe Jacoby, and I, I basically just waylaid him and uh, grabbed him and said, "Hey, I want to con- I want to just like record this conversation because what we were talking about." had so much validity for what had come up recently in several of my groups. And it has to do with, do you have to have, well, first, how to get consistent um, with something that you want, um, how to make a habit happen, and we never use the word habit in our entire conversation, and then also how to start as small as you possibly can while still keeping in mind what really matters to you, why you're doing this, right? Like if you've heard me say it once, you've heard me say it a thousand times, think about your why, think about what matters. And I think sometimes when I say that people gloss over and they're like, well, whatever, you know, I'm doing this because of whatever. But when you really dig down and think about your why and why you want this, it's going to make a big difference. And in the meanwhile, Joe is Well, if you haven't met Joe before on my podcast, Joe is an Olympic gold medalist. He's a um, he's the author of Sunday Morning Joe, and he's also a high performance coach. And he teaches us how to be our best without compromising on our life. And you're well, listen in. You're going to love this one. Thanks for being here. You're listening to the Fittest Freedom Podcast, and I'm your host Kelly Howard. I've been in the fitness and outdoor adventure space for almost two decades. Today, I'm known as the Motivation and Adventure Coach. I help smart, successful women and a few guys navigate the space between mindset, motivation, and movement to move away from self-doubt and to learn to embrace their inner athlete. You already know what you want to do, and I bet you have a pretty good idea what you need to do. Together, we can fine-tune the details and create the steps you need to get moving forward. Think of me as your shortcut to a life of fitness, fun, and freedom. I'm so glad you're here. So I was having this awesome conversation with my friend Joe Jacoby, and he started talking about something that has come up lately a lot in one of my groups. And I thought, you know what? They're going to listen to Joe because they aren't hearing me when I say this. So Joe, could you talk about like what you were just saying when you were talking about the whole idea of starting with the night before. And yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I, I love this conversation. So first of all, um, I, I live in the Spanish state of Catalonia. So I live anywhere from six to nine time zones ahead of most of the United States, which, which for me opens up my mornings a lot because a lot of my coaching clients are based in the U S. So typically my mornings are, are pretty open, but still I start early and um, I'm, I'm in my house right now in La Salle de and I, you know, as I was just saying to you, Kelly, that, you know, you would think as someone who's run 11 or 12 marathons that getting out and running every day would, would come really easy. And the reality is, is like, I have to do a lot of things in advance to like increase the likelihood, or as I like to say, reduce the friction, Mm. reduce the barriers, the things that stand to derail me from getting out that door over there and going running. So that can start with um, laying out my running clothes the night before. That helps a lot so that when I walk out of the bedroom to come upstairs to do a, a morning routine, which I'll talk about in a second, 
I know I'm walking past my running clothes that are waiting for me <laughs> is when I finish. Waving my, at you. <laughs> yeah, like, hey, come back and visit us soon, right? <laughs> and then I come upstairs to this room where I'm sitting now, and, you know, I do a little bit of meditation. And so over on the sofa, I have a blanket ready to kind of cover myself with and kind of go into a meditation. I have a, a yoga mat that's on the floor already. So I'm ready to do some sun salutations, which is a great way to prep my body. I have my journals just here on the table, that on a clean table with the pen out and ready to go. And it just eliminates the distractions. Let's just sort of say the phone is a distraction. The checking email. Hey, I'm just going to check in and see what the messages are. Oh, bad. Well, if I've set up all these other things to do, it's like I've already like set up like a gravitational pull, so to speak, in advance, which gives me a very definitive option, a very definitive way to kind of stick on track and a little bit of a pause point to realize, yeah, I could check the email, but really what's going to change between those emails in the inbox between now and about two hours from now? And the answer is out like absolutely nothing. nothing and right? you, yeah. but if I didn't have those pause points, if I had to like say, oh, I have to go set up the meditation place or I have to go put out the yoga mat or I have to go grab the journals and the pen and clean the tabletop and do all that. It's like, well, yeah, I could just be checking email too while I do that. And then it's like, at that point, I've given away my attention to other people's thoughts, other people's voice, other people's wants, other people's desires, not mine. And so, yeah, I think that that is kind of where that thoughtful, what I call thoughtful strategy comes in. Like, what do you really want out of, you know, out of these efforts? Like, what, why is this making a difference? You know, what, why is the running, the meditation, the sun salutations, the journaling, like, you know, what's it for? And, you know, you kind of give it the, the guide points that not only help you to do those things, but to identify what the, the junk is, the crap is, it's going to get in the way. So we're, it's less likely to derail us. And we're more likely to say, you know, we have, we're more clear of what we're going to say no to so that the obvious yeses, the clear and essential yeses really jump out at us and make it easier to execute upon. Okay. I have a question because I'm, I'm very passionate about the no electronics. Um, because like I actually wrote, I don't know if you know this, but I was a uh, contributor to a book and it was like one habit you want and one habit you don't want. And my habit you don't want was you don't want to be like slave to these electronics. And still, even with all of that know-how, um, if I pick up that phone in the morning to do something, my p likelihood of getting pulled away is so stinking high, it's embarrassing, right? So what do you do with your phone in the morning? Is it like hidden away or is it something you run with or? Well, um, I'll tell you where I, um, there are, I was using it for the guided meditation, for guided meditation, which now I'm not. Now I've kind of, I, I just kind of close my eyes and mm -hmm. uh, just do uh, meditate. One thing that I do sometimes is I do an exercise called I idea listing, which I do in the notes section of the phone. Cause sometimes, sometimes not always I use that. I do journal by hand, mm -hmm. paper and pencil, you know, right. my journal. And, and I, I love that. And sometimes I, I do the idea listing, but sometimes that idea listing, which is, you know, an exercise I've been doing for 
eight or nine years now, I use those later. So by having those those notes filed electronically, I they may be like a structure to a Sunday morning Joe blog post that I do at some right. point, and I like to have that electronically. But so I may use my phone for that. But um, yeah, I'm pretty good though at not checking. I don't have any. Um, I don't have any uh, alerts or beeps on my phone. I don't have any alerts or beeps. I To check email, to see if I have email, I have to open it up and see if any new email came yeah. in. There's no little red dots with a number of emails right. on, no, my, I hear on you. my phone. Nothing or, that phone or, can do to get your attention, right? <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, we can talk about the social dilemma, that, that documentary, oh, right. <laughs> which is amazing. Like it, That world is just so... Is so we are just working from such a negative position against that particular world. My thought about the phone is, is that it, there's just no doubt. The way I like to say it is that the phone represents other people's voices. And my whole thing about the morning routine, and by the way, even though mine is long at this stage of my life, if it's only five minutes and I have a good five minute routine for anyone that wants it, the whole idea is to, that's five minutes of first tuning into your own voice while tuning out the voices of others. So I just remember in my lowest point days in when I was living in Oklahoma City, I, I mean, I love living in Oklahoma City, but in my low point days um, in my job there, I would wake up with a ton of technology. Like I would instantly turn on the TV. I would instantly, oh, cause yeah. I thought I needed to know the news and the weather. I would check my phone. I would check social media. And it was like, it was so quick. And I just thought like, that's the way this all needs to be done. And I think it's the jump away from that. There's two things that I would say to it, Kelly, is that number one, uh, that I just think that, if you can if you can exercise that muscle of tuning into your own voice first even for 5 minutes and then you just go back to doing everything the way you were doing before over time that will grow i mean that that it's will mm-hmm. yeah that's the only way to do it and then secondly i still have days uh not often but i have days where i pick up the phone and the thing is is that if we cannot find a way to be a little bit kinder with ourselves and being a little bit more self-gentle on the corrections. So now I'm going to speak to Kelly, the, you know, my friend, my fellow whitewater kayaking friends. What happens when we make a mistake in a big whitewater river rapid? Like if we are super hard on ourselves and we just kind of beat ourselves up over the mistake, we are just going to get punished by the rapids Whereas like the whole thing that whitewater kayaking teaches us to do when we make a mistake is to kind of leave the mistake where it is and to kind of work with correcting the mistake exactly where we are. Mm -hmm. And I I would say I would put checking the phone in the morning in, in that category. You know, I would absolutely just put it in that category and say that we can figure out how to be a little bit more gentle with ourselves that um, we improve the likelihood that we'll do better tomorrow than we did today. If we did check the phone a little earlier than we would have liked and gotten pulled, you know, out of the zone that we would much rather be in. You get pulled away, but it's true. And I I think like I have come back to the whole idea of 2020. If there's anything I learned last year, it was to be kinder. (laughs) Like kinder to myself, to be kinder to others, just to be chill. 
right? And give yourself a little grace when you do the things that you weren't planning on doing. I think you, you might remember that usually my first Sunday morning Joe post of every year involves the, uh, the three words, you know, where you come up with these three theme words for your year ahead. And one thing I, I've been writing this post for a long time, and this is an exercise that actually went back to um, <clears throat> the year before the 2004 Olympic Games, which was my final Olympic Games as an athlete. And our coach, Eve Narduzzi, who was a very complicated coach in practice. He really was good at complicating things, <laughs> but his superpower, his superpower was simplifying those complicated things at the absolute critical moment. Really, so One exercise that we did with Eve is that, um, you know, when you navigate any whitewater river, section of whitewater river rapids, let alone the Olympic games, the race course at the Olympic games, there are a million different kind of range of choices and options and things that could happen and response, you know, response on top of response. You just couldn't imagine in a million years exactly how it's going to go. So Eve was really wise as a young coach. He was 34 years old and he's now <clears throat> coached Olympic and world champions. He was a young coach and he just said, <clears throat> we need to have three adjectives that just simplify everything that we do that if we just sort of paddle to a roughly an eight, nine or 10 out of 10 on a, you know, on a scale of 10 to these three adjectives, like we'll be pretty happy with the run that we get at the Olympic games. So in the doubles canoe, if you come up with something like uh, synchronized, uh, smooth and balanced, you know, whatever those words are, they can, it doesn't really matter what they are. It's just that you pick like three adjectives to really, um, <clears throat> to guide your, yourself on. You can do that. So anyway, I took that exercise and I expanded it into my life. And every year I come up with three words that, uh, do that. And I invite other people to share their words with me. And so coming off of the year 2020 and going into 2021, what really surprised me about this year, typically in the past, there have been like three aligning words that when they work together, they like push you in the direction of your goal. This year, I noticed almost everyone kind of counterbalanced their three words. They might have like one or two words that push them in one direction. And then there'd be at least one word, if not two, that were much more introspective, turning in words, had to do with things like kindness, compassion, um, mindfulness, you know, something that was just a lot more introspective. And I think that that was very much a function of what 2020 really was. I think, you know, it just sort of forced us into a place to, you know, to kind of confront our inner thoughts and our inner critics and what that looked like. And I think people moved into 2021 and said, you know, maybe that that's a way of kind of taking something out of 2020 as we go forward by all means, let's have goals. Let's, you know, pursue some things that are challenging and will make us better. But maybe that's something that we really pulled out of this, uh, this time of COVID and the quarantines and the restrictions and sort of these changes that came about that we didn't see coming. Interesting. You know, it gave me chill bumps when you said that, because it just feels so true. I can just see that, that people did get the chance. I mean, when I say people, I, I know me, I know people I've worked with too, have gotten the sure. chance to just kind of like 
just slow down a smidge, take a look, you know, and give yourself a little grace. So, and you know, within that, and that like makes a lot of, makes so much sense. One thing that I found interesting for a lot of professionals in that context though, Kelly was um, the shift from working in an office to working at home you know, it, it took away some transitional boundaries. Like, you know, we really never thought about the commute to work so much as this, okay, we, comp- we like to complain about how long the line is at the Starbucks or the, the traffic, you know, between home and work and finding a parking space. But in actuality, that I think we saw that, that all of that represented some transition between our life at home to our life at work. And while the kind of things that we were just talking about, about being more introspective, make a lot of sense. We, we did give away some of those transitional boundaries. And I think one of the things that as people explore working from home or working on Zoom, that that also became important, you know, giving up anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour or so in the car, you know, transitioning I think had an effect yeah, I didn't that we think probably that. didn't really give it, that we didn't really give it, um, uh, um, we didn't really consider it as, as much as um, we, we had. It's almost like it was, like we thought it was, I mean, I, I didn't get to commute, thank for me, which is lucky, but it was almost like instead of um, seeing it as a um, barrier, right? a bad thing. I've got to do all this stuff. I've got to commute. I got to sit in traffic. You're right. It was a transition like you were talking about earlier, right? Because when you get up in the morning and you do your stuff, you do your morning routine, it is a transition. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just a different kind of transition. And so for those of people who are um, right now are in that position where they used to transition via their car, <laughs> this could be a really good transition for them to consider, right? I mean, I, I, what I have found, so my most interesting set of coaching clients, uh, you know, as a group in the past year was that starting in July, I worked with uh, a lot of doctors from a teaching hospital in Boston associated with, uh, um, the Harvard medical school. And, uh, you know, of course I'm not a doctor. The, The goal wasn't to make these people better doctors, it was, you know, all of our work was on the, the, the basis of uh, a transfer of ideas, something about some, some element of transferring ideals from high-performance sport to performing, you know, being a high performer in medicine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what, what's interesting is that, you know, it, it, I was just telling a friend earlier that, you know, beneath every Team USA Olympic uniform is a human being. Below every white jacket of a doctor is a human being. And I think that that transfer ideas just cut through some layers that kind of allowed us to have conversations that doctors don't often have with people. And that I think in an industry that is so tough and so hard and, you know, where burnout is so prevalent and a lot of our conversations wouldn't be around, oh, I, I want to be better at being a doctor. It's like, I just want to be like more present for my kids when I walk through the door, at, you know, when I come home at night or I want to be more attentive to my health. And I'm just really struggling to kind of find the ways to do that or to find rest 
any kinds of meaningful rest in the middle of the day, you know, and, and uh, it would, the, the work was just so, so interesting. And at the end of the day, so often the theme would come back to uh, setting boundaries and reflecting on boundaries. And by the way, something we talked about earlier in this conversation was technology. We always think that, you know, doctors probably more than anyone, we kind of figure are the least likely to be able to kind of part with technology because they always need to be on call. But we also saw that there were a lot of ways to lessen that and that very rarely were they kind of called for something they weren't expecting. And I think helping doctors to find ways to schedule in a little bit of time for deep work, deep thought, deep reflection on their calendars, not, I mean, during the middle of the, during their work day. Um, I think that that tends to be a common leader, not just, I mean, trait, not just of leaders who are successful, but to me, leaders who really seem to live a pretty rich life, a pretty good life, not just successful in business, but happy in a lot of elements of, of their life is that there just seems to be a little bit of time for deep work, deep thought, deep reflection. And that was a really big win for us when we could get, um, when we could help professionals like that, especially in the middle of a global health pandemic, help world-class doctors find that space, find that time to do exactly that. Wow. That's, I mean, that's so big. And the truth is, is if they can do it, anybody can, right? <laughs> Again, I mean, it really does come back to being thoughtful about strategy. You know, I think if we know why we want to do something and, you know, we, um, you know, if we know why we want to be in, in good physical shape, if we want to know why we'd like to be, you know, increase our self-awareness or be more, more mindful um, or to, you know, increase our flexibility, you know, by doing more, more yoga. I mean, it is really, it is really helpful. And I, and I do think one of the, I will tell you one more story. I think this is really interesting. So at the start of the year, I participated in these uh, two New Year's challenges. They were both 10 day challenges. One was called the Authentic Selling Challenge hosted by Daryl Amy and Larry Levine. And I was a guest speaker on that. Uh, again, not that I know very much about sales, but I'm good about Put it, helping put people in a capacity to do what they really want to do better. And I spoke about that to that group. The other one was Jonathan Stark's uh, 10-day systems challenge. And on that, we kind of did a sort of a look at our own systems that kind of guide our life. Now, Jonathan really appeals to a lot of technology people. And his challenge was very slack-oriented. And one of, his extra, one of the daily exercises was to write out the morning routine and I loved it because here on Slack, I had access to read hundreds of morning routines of technology people. And my two takeaways were, number one, I loved how brutally honest they were of how many of them just picked up the phone first thing in the morning and checked email. You know, they kind of, many of them, it seems to be the nature of their work. But secondly, I was blown away by how thoughtful they were with their time after they picked up their phone. Like they really did a lot of thoughtful and healthy things in their life. And then I got to thinking, well, for anyone that really wants to start a morning routine, they would actually be really intimidated reading 
you know, the idea of waking up an hour or two hours earlier than they do now. And I can just kind of imagine like a young mom trying to get a young, uh, a young person out the door to go to school and being like, what the heck are you talking about? I'm not waking up an hour earlier to do <laughs> meditation right. and, and all these things. And it just, so instead of writing my morning routine, I went back to the lowest point in my professional life when I was working at USA Canoe Kayak, when my nights were a freaking disaster and I was sleeping badly and waking up badly. And I just sort of wrote, what was the first thing I did on the path to getting better? And that was waking up five minutes earlier than the day I than the day before. And with those five minutes, instead of turning on the TV, instead of checking email, instead of checking social media, I drank a glass of water and answered three questions in my journal. The three questions were, uh, what's the focus of my day? What's the focus of my relationships? And for what am I grateful? And that was done on paper and pencil. It took five minutes and then I resumed my day. But the difference after a month of doing that, five minutes, waking up five minutes earlier, that's all. Then I had found that muscle, the same muscle that people use to wake up an hour earlier mm -hmm. is now we, we can locate that muscle. It's like, if you ask me to sort of find my bicep, I, I can find it pretty quickly because I do push-ups every day. I, I, I know where it exists. I can feel it. But if I let that muscle atrophy, it's much harder to, to have that connection with the muscle. So we don't need to do it for an hour. We don't need to do a million different things, whether it's five minutes of yoga stretching or five minutes of mindful breathing or five minutes of journaling or, you know, five minutes of reading scripture. It, it doesn't really matter what that is, as long as it's getting in tune with your own voice, not the voice of others. And, um, that was, that's where you'll find the activation of that particular muscle. And from there, you can go anywhere. From there, what I would say, I mean, if you, people, anyone who ever asked me, well, like, how did you end up moving to a faraway country and living in a different culture and speaking a different language, blah, blah, you know, living like that? It's because of the five minutes. That's the only thing I can answer. There's nothing else. Everyone wants to say, like, how did you set up visas and get on, take all your things? It's, none of that mattered. All that stuff was like a small, tiny step, but it was the next logical small step preceding a small step before that and a small step before that. And it all started with waking up five minutes earlier and just writing in my journal. That's all. It took a long time to get there, but that's the only answer I can give like how I ended up living in a faraway country and, and just so happy, you know, with the decisions I've made and the life where life is today. It's, that's it. It was just a series of small steps. That's oh, but, and it took a long time, but I had time. I still have time. I still have a lot more. I hope I have time anyway. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, that was, that was brilliant. And, and thank you. Thank you so much. Because just by taking that time and, and going through this, I would suggest anyone who listens to this might want to listen to it a couple of times, because there are so many little nuggets in there. And, and Joe is, um, Joe is brilliant at what he does. So thank you so much for being here. I really, really appreciate it. I am so happy for all that you're doing in your community, uh, Kelly. I just think that you, um, 
you are just so open in sharing, you know, about what you want to do and what you kind of sort of see kind of starts to um, go after the gaps in your own life and say, hey, if this is something that looks like, you know, meets you where you are, come, come with me on that journey. That to me is the best way to do things in life. It just sort of ensures, um, it not ensures, it gives us the best chance of like-minded people aligning around the right kind of values, doing it your, your way. And I, you know, I think it makes it very easy to say, um, uh, who's this for and is this for me? I think the way you share I, I, your ideas, the way you share your own challenges makes it really easy for people to say, is this for me? Which I think so much increases fit and alignment. And I think that there are so many people out there that struggle to find fit and alignment and end up with clients and in work situations that they don't like and they don't enjoy because they haven't done that. And, and just kudos for you for having, for doing that work in a way. It just, it's so clear to me that that brings in people that you get totally excited about working with, <laughs> talking to, supporting, collaborating with, and like, that's the way it should be at this stage of our lives. That's the way, like, that's like one of the greatest benefits to kind of getting more experienced and wise in the workplaces that we exist in is finding more fit and alignment, you know, from a community standpoint, finding more, more love and connection in, um, in, in the work that we're doing. And you are showing us how to do that in a really good way. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening today. I truly appreciate you being here. If you're ready to make a change in your fitness, to transform, or even to deep dive into what you need to be doing to get ready for your next dream adventure, I'd love to talk. I have space on my calendar for a few one-on-one clients, and I have a very special offer only for my podcast listeners. Go to fitisfreedom.com forward slash ready for details. If you're ready to take action on your dreams, I would truly love to work with you. Once again, that URL is fitisfreedom.com forward slash ready. I can't wait to connect and I'll see you on the next episode. Have a wonderful, wonderful week and bye for now. See you.